You're listening to the Touch of Flavor podcast, episode 125. You're talking about putting your fuck parts in my head where my brain lives. You know, in nature, only a handful of creatures mate for life. But isn't that, like, cheating? We can't do this 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Why not? The safety word is banana. It is so refreshing to be with someone who likes to fuck outside the box. This is the Touch of Flavor podcast, dating and relationship advice by kinksters for kinksters. Join us as we tackle BDSM, sex, non-monogamy, and how to build extraordinary relationships in an ordinary world. And now your hosts, Cassie and Rigel. So hello, hello, wonderful humans. We hope you are having an amazing week. It's getting warmer. It's getting beautiful. Outside is happening. Peopling is starting to somewhat be a thing again, right? Hey, seriously, I mean, I think no matter what we do at this point, spring and summer is going to be awesome in a lot of ways. It is definitely going to be better than last spring or summer. I feel like, regardless, I think that it's going to be better than at least the winter. Well, I mean, good God, yeah. You look, here's the thing, like, I mean, because, you know, Cassie, you and I both work from home, and now Mm -hmm. Amanda does too, like, we, Touch of Flavor is what we do, and, you know, like, so we don't really human very much, like, well, we don't. Okay, how can I put this? We human uh, actually a lot working, but we human face-to-face exactly zero working with mm-hmm. people outside of the house. And so, you know, when COVID was like all heavy and we were Zooming friends, it was like, okay. I was like, you know, I'm, I'm doing all right with this. Like, it sucks, you know, not seeing people. You know, my, my I have family members who haven't, uh, you know, like held the little lion like since she was like two weeks old. You have family members who have never even held the little lion. That's true. A couple of your siblings. Yeah, I've been in the same room, right? Because um, little lion was born like literally like five days before lockdown, right? So I was like, but I was like, okay, I'm doing it. And then winter happened. And then not only were we not getting any face-to-face time with people, but it was like in this house all day, every day. And I was like, I am not so okay anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but now things are, you know, like the weather is changing. So we're getting out. We're going to be able to do some hikes and some climbing and stuff like that. And, uh, yes. and the world is starting to shift to being more open. And we are having friends who are getting vaccinated and things like that. So it is and we're on shifting. The path. We mentioned that. An episode ago? Two episodes ago? Something like that. I don't know. A little while back? Yeah. So, you know, we're we're headed in the direction of some more normalcy. More normalcy. Yes. But okay, let's let's less less we less we bemoan COVID. Let's move <laughs> into uh like I said, but headed towards an awesome spring and summer. So ah, even better. So let's kind of move into the, the, the podcast for the day though. So we went a while back on uh, Facebook and did a, like a live Q and a, 
um, with some of you from our Facebook page. And we got some really awesome questions. And so we had wanted to bring that to you here because obviously any questions that are helpful on Facebook are still helpful here, right? Um, and so we got some really awesome questions. Um, uh, how to deal with jealousy in a new relationship? You know, is it possible to find people who want like long-term relationships but don't want to cohabit? Like if you don't want to cohabit, what can you do if your wife hates your girlfriend? I love that <laughs> yeah. What do I do if my wife hates my girlfriend? Um Asking about don't ask, don't tell. Like, is don't ask, don't tell okay? What are potential challenges with it? What should you do? What should you not do? Um, so all that. And a few more questions besides, I think. And just a lot of really good relationship stuff and some other awesome stuff wrapped in here along the way. So want to bring it to you. Keep an eye out for those. We do them occasionally. Um, you know, if you want to make sure that you get notified of those, um, you know, you can go to our website at touchflavor.com and sign up for our mailing list. Or best thing to do is just go and join the Relationships Outside the Box Facebook group. You got 11,000 plus awesome Almost 12. people like you in there now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And having great discussions and supporting each other. And, you know, you'll get notified when we do the lives, obviously, as well. So definitely do that. But anything else you want to say or should we jump in and start answering people's questions? I think we should just jump right in. All right. So first question we have is is uh, someone I'm struggling to find people who are okay with long term relationships without cohabitation. So finding people who are okay with long term relationships but are okay with not cohabiting. So Cassie, why don't I let you dive in with that one and we'll go from there. Dating's kind of more up your alley than mine. Yeah. So you know, one of the things that is really important when you're looking for partners is to really just be upfront, right? And there are so many people looking for so many different things. So obviously, like if you're on like eHarmony or something and and those people are looking for like someone to marry and have babies with, it's going to be a little hard to find someone that is looking for a non-nesting partner. So it's really about where you're looking and how you're networking. So looking inside of your your non-monogamous communities, your polyamorous communities, right? Like there is a lot of us who already have nesting partners. There's a lot of us who already have uh, like families and things like that, that looking for a partner who isn't looking to nest would be like a huge benefit. Perhaps looking in your non-monogamous communities. Um, When you're on dating profiles, really like being honest and open about what you're looking for is going to attract those who are looking for the same things. You may be having folks who are like messaging you and things like that. And then you're finding out later. But if this is something that you're like upfront about, particularly if it's a a place where you can talk about non-monogamy, you know, like OkCupid allows for people to put non-monogamy on their profile. Um, Being able to like add that as something that you're looking for can be really helpful in finding other folks who are looking for the same thing. Um, And then from there, you know, while you're dating, just having an open conversation of what does non-cohabiting mean to you, right? Because what you might find is that the people that you're dating might be like non-cohabiting might mean X, Y, and Z. And really what it means for you is just not living in the same place and spending the night at the same house. It might mean that we have all of these other possibilities 
and that, you know, we can still see each other multiple times a week. We can still grow as being partners who go out and do things together. So really actually having some of those conversations with the people that you're dating around what they're actually looking for, because it might not be the cohabiting aspect. They might be fearing that they're not going to be able to get, uh, what they want out of a relationship with you because they're thinking that cohabiting thing means a lot more than just, you know, spending time under the same roof. Anything you want to add to that? No, I tend to leave the dating questions to you. We have a couple of questions that came in anonymously. So next question, how do you deal with jealousy uh, in a new relationship? So I'm going to assume that with this question, like it means like, how do you deal with jealousy when you have a new relationship? Right. So like, you know, cast and I are together, I go out, I'm not dating somebody. How do you deal with the jealousy that comes up? I, I'm trying to condense down a jealousy answer because jealousy can get really long. Anytime you're talking about jealousy, right? Jealousy is one of these words that is, not really a particularly useful word, right? Like, you know, I'll start with that, like, jealousy can, you know, like, like the first thing that usually comes up around this kind of thing is, like, is it okay to be jealous? Am I wrong? That kind of thing. And the first thing that I want to say, like, you know, there is no, like, poly badge that you get if you're not jealous. You know, the fact of the matter is, um, you know, I, I know you, you, you'll see a lot of people who are not monogamous, like, talk about how they don't have jealousy. And there are a few, a very few of those people out there. But for the most part, people do have jealousy to a bigger extent or a lesser extent, right? But we have it at different times. We have it about different things and sometimes about like completely random things that you would not expect. So what you're saying is, is that if I don't just feel compersion all the time and I just don't feel great, I don't get my poly badge? Yeah. Oh, oh. Mm. So, right, so so basically, without knowing a little more about your specific situation, right, two things that, like, you really need to look at anytime you're talking about jealousy. First off, you need to talk, look at the internal factors. And this is what most people think of when they're thinking jealousy. This is like, oh, my God, my partner's out there on a date. I've got the green-eyed monster. I've got the feels. I'm freaking out, right? You know, I'm wondering what they're doing. I'm sitting here. I'm upset. Like, I can't do anything else. I'm not functional. How do I deal with that? Right. And, you know, the, the truth is like you can go into that. Right. Like there's a lot of work you can do around like eventually, like when you're in that state. Right. How do you bring yourself to a better state? What are the questions that you ask yourself? What can you do to soothe yourself in those moments? What, uh, uh, you know, what can you do to really build and look at in your relationship, the things that tell you that you are secure with your partner, that they do care about you, right? That you are important to them. What are all those things? So that's definitely one piece. And that's what most people are talking about when they're thinking about jealousy is that like internal state. And, you know, the, the ways to work on that, like I said, can be, you know, usually are going to involve like, how do you actually shift yourself? What do you do to keep yourself entertained? How do you kind of reprogram those beliefs and things like that that are lingering in the background, like those the, the beliefs about what's going on or what that means about you as a person? How do you build confidence in yourself and in your relationship is a big key. Right. But the other piece with jealousy that I think is really important that people don't tend to talk about is what we call external factors. You know. What we've found is that, you know, 90% of the time when people are talking about jealousy, there's those internal feelings that need to be dealt with, 
but there's usually external factors that are playing into those internal fears and emotions. And until you deal with those things, it can be really hard to deal with that internal stuff. So a couple things that that can typically look like most often. Um, number one, if I have things that I'm not wanting or getting in this relationship that I've been, especially I've been asking for them for a long time. And now I'm seeing you give these to somebody else, these things that I've been wanting and needing and craving and not getting, and I'm having to watch you give them to somebody else. That's difficult, right? And that isn't so much an internal thing as what I'm needing and not getting. And that's something that needs to be addressed. Or um, another place that you see kind of these bad feels, the jealousy and security, because a lot of time the two are really tightly linked is if I know our relationship isn't solid, if I know that, uh, you know, that, that this is wobbly to begin with, and now you're out and like, you're connecting and along with somebody else, like I'm going to wind up getting worried about like, do I get replaced? What happens to this relationship? You know, what happens when this other relationship is better? Right. You know, do you get tired of the bullshit going on here and go with this person who stuff's easy with and stuff's more fun? You see this in a lot of areas, but the last big one I'll point out where you get that like jealousy and security that like, oh, my God, feeling is if I know that like we are newer to non-monogamy and we have no idea what we're doing here. And I know I'm kind of walking into dangerous relationship waters. It's kind of back to that security thing. And I'm, I'm worried that, you know, like you going out with this person and us not knowing how to handle that is going to result in us breaking up again, like going to be jealousy and security. And it's, it's really hard to just go, oh, here, just work on those internal feelings because there's some really real concerns underlying. So with jealousy, you know, there's definitely the internal work to do, but also I always really recommend that people really take a look at those external factors, right? The, the stuff that's lying underneath that also actually needs to be corrected. Anything you want to stack on that? You know, the, the important thing is to recognize is that, you know, those internal factors, right? Those, those beliefs, those feelings are really hard to work past when there's a reality, right? That isn't just a feeling. It, it's, you can't confidence yourself into better, you know, negotiations, better agreements. You can't confidence yourself into feeling great when you know that you and your partner have been arguing nonstop every day, right? Like those are things that are actually going on and those root causes of things actually have to be addressed, not just the internal, right? The external things as well. Uh, next question is from Mike. Monopoly relationship here. So just for people who don't know, that's like, you know, a relationship where one person's polyamorous and the other person's monogamous. My wife and I have talked about boundaries and comfort. Her main area of concern is sex. She doesn't want to share, but knows it will come up because I have a high sex drive. She suggested a don't ask, don't tell, which I'm firmly against. How do you work through this meet in the middle? We do have a large age difference. I'm 23 years younger and she's voiced to worry that I'll find someone younger and better or more fun. You want to jump in with that? Yeah. So the first thing is, is, you know, uh, the age difference really isn't the thing. Whenever our partners are in a place where they're wanting something that is outside of our relationship, when they're looking for things that are needs, that can be really scary. So, you know, the age difference can play into that. But really what this is coming down to is fear, right? There's a, there's a fear of losing you is what I'm hearing from the question. 
And, you know, a big part of this is working through, you know, we just talked about jealousy, right? Is working through those things that could be external. Is there things in your relationship that need addressing? Is there, you know, places where maybe your partner hasn't felt, you know, like taken care of or comforted? Like that would be the first place to look. And, you know, the thing is, is that, you know, working through, sharing your partner sexually, right? And I'll, I'll use the word sharing because that was the word that you used. But anytime we're, we're talking about that, it is a scary subject, right? Um, so really, you want to be very honest and open with what your wants and needs are. But before kind of putting those things, you know, as, as just the forefront perhaps sitting back and actually hearing if there's any valid concerns that your partner has. Well, all concerns are valid, but any concerns that you can actually do anything about. So this might be something like, I'm concerned that, you know, I'm I'm concerned about STIs. Well, here's the agreements that we can make around protection, things like that. So see if there's things that you actually can address in like a tangible way for your partner. Here's the thing. Um, first off, I'll say that, um, you know, polyamorous relationships are tricky to navigate, right? Not impossible by any means. Like a lot of the people we work with are, are in those kinds of relationships. About a fourth of our clients. About yeah. a fourth of our clients, right? Um, so it's absolutely doable, but it is tricky. And, you know, speaking about like a, a don't ask, don't tell specifically. Um, so there's kinds of two pieces to this, right? That I would say for my end. Number one, you know, as far as don't ask, don't tell us, I'm not going to say they're like morally wrong or like ethically wrong or anything like that. I will say that I very rarely see them work. Um, go ahead. But there's a difference between a don't ask and don't tell and a don't tell too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to specify that I was going to let you hop in. But, you know, part of part of this is you know, you said you're strongly against it. And and typically when we hear that people are really strongly against the don't ask, don't tell, it's because they don't want to be in a situation where their partner doesn't know that they're having sex with anybody else. Their partner doesn't even know they have other partners, things like that. So maybe, you know, that mid middle ground is something like we've negotiated what's okay. We've negotiated what, you know, we're, we're open to doing as far as giving your partner the opportunity to have autonomy, right? To be like, you know, I'm going to do this with my body because I know what you're doing with yours. But we don't necessarily go into details or that's as far as we go. Right. And so the, the thing is, like I said, like there's not wanting to hear too much. And that's perfectly normal. Right? But usually when people say don't ask, don't tell, that means I don't want to do anything. And usually the problem with that um, is that when that is actually the case, right? Because a lot of times people say that and it's not. But when it is actually the case, like it is with you. Um, the challenge with that is that that typically means that our partner is actually really deeply uncomfortable with what we're doing, right? Like I said, like it's one thing not to want to hear much, but like when we don't want anything said, it's typically a sign. Yeah, exactly. That our partner is actually really, really uncomfortable. And what we typically see happen in those kinds of situations is because there is that deep level of discomfort, everything potentially becomes triggering, right? So like when I ask not telling but you're out on a date and that's upsetting, right? You're out not on a date, but I don't know that because we don't ask, don't tell. Now that's upsetting because maybe you're out on a date, right? You're on your phone texting. Maybe you're texting somebody I don't know and I I don't like that, so that's upsetting, 
right? And everything turns into this like upset and anxiety. And it tends to be really, really difficult. Um, uh, you know, so, you know, I think that that most likely, if this really is truly a wanting a don't ask, don't tell, and not a like, look, please don't tell me the intimate details of everybody you're having, like every time you go out and have sex, like, which is fine. But if this is truly like a don't ask, don't tell, like, I don't want to know anything at all. Uh, chances are that there really is just a, a deep, deep, deep discomfort with this and that that's going to come up as challenges. Um, Mike, honestly, I would, I would suggest um, shoot me over a, a PM if you want. I'm Josh Weaver. Um, and uh, let, let's chat a little more because that's something that's going to take a little more working through than an answer on a live, right? But just for everybody listening, including you, Mike, I'd say, you know, if it's, if it's truly a don't ask, don't tell, that's usually a sign of stuff going on that's going to be really, really challenging um, when you actually start doing the don't ask, don't tell portion of things. Ruth. I've been married for 30 years. We were very young when we married and we both agree that we would like the other person to experience other things. How do we even start? Well, I think, you know, you're already starting, right? Having the conversation and just being open and honest is like the first step, right? And having that conversation in a way of these are things I'm interested in, right? And, and having that conversation is the first step. Us just being really clear and open and providing space for like us and our partners to say things that we might be uncomfortable with, right? Like being open to having some uncomfortable conversations that may not even lead to anything, right? Like that's the first step is just like, let's create like a nice, calm, safe environment where we can sit down and kind of talk about what we want. From there, it is a little different. The, the first step in kind of moving is, is having the conversations. But after the conversations, the important thing is actually knowing what you're going to do, having some good agreements in place, um, you know, knowing the difference between rules, boundaries, and agreements. Uh, we do a video on that. It's really important. But having some like good agreements in place, having some solid conversations around where you want to go and what this means to both of you is kind of the next step. What do you want to add on? Two things. Number one, I'd say just educate yourself, right, Ruth? I mean, um, you know, obviously like for, for people, and this, this is a story that we actually hear quite often where it is, you know, like we were high school sweethearts, right. Or, you know, like whatever, like we got into, we got into things really young. We really didn't get to, to sow our wild oats, so to speak. Right. And now we want to be able to explore. But the thing is when you're talking about that, right. Generally what we're really saying at the same time is, I've been married for 30 years, right? So I've been doing my relationships a certain way for 50 years, and now I'm going to start doing them a different way. And I don't care what people will tell you or have you believe, right? For a lot of people, that becomes a more complicated process than you think, because I mean, anytime you're talking about changing patterns and habits and the way we've got about something for 50 years, right? I mean, that gets involved. So like, here's the thing. Um, I would say, number one, right, really work on educating yourself. I mean, you know, like actually dive in, you know, like you're here, you're with us. That's great. We have a lot of great resources, you know, listen to the podcast, watch the lives, get in the Facebook group, right? Um, I do always recommend for people, you know, Facebook group is really more a place for support than advice, right? Otherwise it can turn into like a 
blind leading the blind, blind kind of situation, <laughs> right? But but educate yourself. That's step one, right? You know, step two, obviously, have the discussions, do things consensually, right? Um, and the third step that I think is really important, though, is if and when you recognize that things are going sideways, reach out for help, right? You know, too often what we see happen is people go into this, right? They do that. They educate themselves. They go into things. Things go sideways and they wait too long to reach out for help. And and by the time they do things break, right? And, you know, because the truth of the matter is this, like, and it really depends, Ruth, on exactly, you know, what it is you're trying to do here and what experiencing new things looks like. But just using polyamory as an example, you know, like if you're in a situation where you've, again, had monogamous relationships for the last 50 years of your life and you're trying something new, you know, there is a lot to learn. And for a lot of people, that process does not wind up going smoothly on their own. There are definitely people who do it, right, obviously, but... I think that as a whole, you know, the non-monogamy community, we kind of give an impression that that happens more than it does and underrepresent how often that does not go smoothly for people, right? And when it doesn't go smoothly and, and you let things go too far off track, you can wind up with like really serious relationship consequences. So, you know, I'd say number one, Ruth, educate yourself. But number two, you know, if you're going into this, you realize that things are going sideways, you know, you kind of heed the warning signs and you reach out to somebody for help if you need it. Right. Because, you know, if you wait too long, you can wind up in a spot where stuff's hard to fix. Um, so I think those are kind of the important pieces. Right. Um, anything else you want to stack on there, Cassie? Yeah. And just, you know, if this is something that the two of you know that you're going to explore. Right. There's a difference between like we're having a conversation and now we're doing this. Like there's, there's, there's a big difference between those two things. And if you know that this is something that you're going to do, as, as Josh said, really making sure that you educate yourself. And, you know, be willing to be proactive with the education, with getting guidance, things like that. I see nurses say this all the time, but, you know, like an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. That is the same the thing. Yeah, like this is no different with our relationship. So like if you and your partner are having these conversations, you're moving into a space where you're like, OK, we are going to be doing things, making sure that you are prepared or getting guidance up front is a good, you don't have to wait until, you know, absolutely. If things are going sideways, reach out for help, but like, you don't have to wait until things are sideways to get support and making sure that they go smoothly. So I just wanted to point that out. Cause I think all too often we wait until we have to have that pound of cure rather than, you know, exploring the options of an ounce of prevention. And just real quick, when we say new things, is this uh non-monogamy? Is this kink? Is this, you know, new sexual things. Um, if you just real quick want to answer, um, you know, maybe we can just be uh, slightly more specific. Um, so I'm going to uh, actually hop over to Steven's question in the meantime. And Ruth, if you send anything, because this is, there's a bit of delay here in us talking and, and the response and everything coming through. Um, Steven Mack, can it be possible for me to be ethically and consensual non-monogamous without any attachments? Steven, what does, what does without any attachments mean? Like, do you mean like, be ethically and consensually non-monogamous without having any relationships that are particularly in, uh, attached or entwined. Uh, the different screens going. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, we got we, we're, we're broadcasting. broadcasting over, oh, I'm talking about commitments. Okay, well, let's dive into that first. Um, you know, the, the the short answer is absolutely. Like you, you ethical 
non-monogamy comes down to, um, you know, and honestly, I like the word consensual non-monogamy much more than ethical because we can all argue like ethics, but consent is, is pretty clear, right? Is all about having consent and everybody being on the same page. So like, you know, of course you can find partners who are open to non-commitment. I personally love my friends with benefits. It's amazing. They're great relationships. I love people that I can be like, hey, I like to do fun things with you and hang out with you. But like you go home and you deal with your shit there. That is great for me. And there's plenty of people who are looking for that. The way to be ethical is just to be forward with that. Don't tell someone, oh, you know, I'm I'm looking for an entwined relationship. Yeah, you can have the puppies and the white picket fence and really only be looking for, you know, uh, a couple of flings. Like, it's really about having that open, honest conversation with the people that you're dating or the people that you're seeing or even the people that you're screwing around with, right? That like, this is what I'm looking for and this is what I'm willing to offer, And the people who are looking for the same things are going to gravitate towards you. And the people who aren't are going to say, well, I'm looking for the the dogs in the house and the fence. And that doesn't work for me. Yeah. I mean, Cassie said the only thing, Stephen, that I was going to really stack on, which is, again, just just the importance of being up front here. I was I was just talking to our clients about this. Um, You know, I have so there's there's the dating app open, which is a polyamorous dating app, right, which I, I made a profile on here because we interviewed Sarah on the podcast recently. It's a really cool idea, really cool app. Um, so I made a profile on there. And, you know, my profile right now basically says something to the extent of like, you know, theoretically, I'm open for relationships to go wherever. Realistically, right now, I'm pretty time strapped, right? Um, and also COVID. So like and the important thing, like you can have those relationships look however you want. Uh, it's called uh, hashtag open. And it's literally like the hashtag sign and then open. So the important thing is really just being upfront and, and honest that people are agreeing to that and not getting into things under false pretenses. Um, okay. So as Ruth, back to you real quick. So we tried swinging before years ago. Didn't go far. We had kids. I think maybe polyamorous. Hard to say. Okay. So yeah, so, you know, polyamory definitely. And, and that's why I was asking, like, kink, you know, I have a couple things you can point you for that. But polyamory, like I said, like, um, you know, podcasts, like, you know, like, like listen to our podcasts, watch the lives, like come in the group, get the support, um, really educate yourself. And like I said, just, just again, like it, if things do go sideways, right, that's my other piece of advice would be just don't sit on that, right? Like reach out for help. My fiance has schizoaffective disorder. When something triggers it, he's abusive. He actually thinks I'm some guy. He was in prison. Uh, I love him so much. He's a great person when normal. Don't know what to do. Kimberly, um, I know what to do. This is not our area of magic. Um, There is Kimberly, a fantastic group resource uh, that when we're talking to people who are are in like domestic kind of situations, we refer to it's called Network Lared. Uh, reach out to these people. That 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 is the answer to your question. Yeah, um, they are a polyamory and kink friendly domestic violence, like family violence organization. TNLR, the network Lored.org. Um, reach out to them, call them, whatever. They are the people to talk to about this kind of stuff. And like I said, they're polyamory aware and friendly, kink aware and friendly.
and they'll be able to help you out. Okay. So anybody just listening to this, tnlr.org, the network will read. Okay. All right. Uh, my wife and I have had sexual partners and been open for a while. I have a girlfriend for about two years now. My wife hates her and doesn't want to be involved with her anymore and doesn't support me and her relationship anymore. I do not wish to stop being with my wife or my friend. I love them both. What can I do to make this work? This is definitely a place that requires more clarification. Harold, you're another person I'm going to offer to send me a PM, um, but I'm going to kind of generally answer this. Go ahead. I'll take it. You're looking like you want to start. Yeah. Whatever your kind of the hinge, right? Like even though your, your wife and your girlfriend are not partners, it falls on you to sort of manage those relationships and to be able to have the tools to manage those relationships. And, you know, there's, there's all kinds of things that you can do. And, and, you know, Josh said that you can message him, but recognizing that, you know, you're going to be the one who's going to have to balance that. And there's two parts that are like at the base level. One, your wife does not have to like your other partner and your part and your wife is not responsible for supporting that relationship. She is responsible for not getting in the way of it. Right. And those are two different things, right? Like I, I don't have to drive you to your girlfriend's house. I don't have to do things for for you and your girlfriend, but I also can't be causing drama every time that you're with that partner, right? So those are the big things that are kind of starting places. Yeah. Again, Harold, the answer here really depends on the specifics. And like I said, I'm going to really suggest you PM me. But, you know, usually, again, this was kind of like when we were talking about jealousy before. Um, Usually this isn't like my wife just hates my partner. Right. Usually there are other things going on here. Where are a few of the places I would start looking um, if I'm if I'm chatting with you? Well, uh, is this a situation that your wife went into consentingly or not? Right. Um, you know, is it like has it been broken trust? Obviously, that can cause a lot of challenges. Right. Um, again, kind of like we were talking about earlier, you know, is your wife getting her needs and wants in your relationship met right now? Or is she not? If not, it can really suck to see somebody else getting those things. Is your uh, your other partner like respectful to your wife, or is that like a fraught uh, kind of antagonistic relationship? Again, if somebody's being like antagonistic with you, um, and or like you know like insulting you in your own home or that kind of thing. And again, obviously don't know the particulars, but you know, that can make things really difficult. So the the answer to this question, Harold, is that um, there are other problems going on besides just your wife is not liking your girlfriend. Like there are reasons, right? There are things that are happening there that need to be resolved, right? If you, if you want that sorted and, um, you know, getting to the bottom of that does definitely involve more of a conversation than a, a comment. Um, so again, feel free to shoot me a PM and I'm happy to dive in with you a little more and, and figure out specifically with you what's going on. But like for anybody else listening to this, like those are some of the places I would start looking. And also for anybody else listening to this, again, maybe a place like if you really like this is going on and you just can't sort out where those problems are yourself or how to fix them that you, you might want to look at 
at reaching out for help. This kind of gets back to what we were talking with with Ruth about, right? About like when you have challenges, not necessarily waiting too long to, to reach out for resources, right? Because some of this stuff does get really in depth, just even in figuring out where the challenges lie. No problem, Harold. Happy to help. Like I said, just I'm happy to talk with you more in depth, but more specific uh, answers are going to require more specific questions from us about what's going on. So just shoot me a PM. Uh, we've got time for like one or two more. I've, I've got one somebody had sent in already I'm going to do. And then, you know, if we get like one more in the comments, we'll answer that. Okay. And then we're going to have to go handle it, baby. I know that baby's got to be wanting you by now. I can feel it. <laughs> I came yeah, right from so, a call with our people. Yeah. We just, we just had our group coaching call with our clients. So going from there to here, um, nursing mother can feel, can feel the distance from the baby. <laughs> So how do I get more quality time with my partner? Cassie? First off, like, I have to say this, okay? Everybody who's listening, this is really important. If I want something, I got to ask for it. Like, just say that to yourself a couple times. Like, if I want something, I got to ask for it. And, I, and I, I, I'm doing that because all so often we suffer right? We suffer in our relationships because we simply just did not ask for the thing that we wanted. Like, I want to spend more date nights with you, but instead of saying it, I just sit here and be angry that we don't have date nights, right? So like the first thing is like, ask for what you want. That is like the first thing in any any advice as far as us telling you how to get what you want, whether it's, I want to open my relationship or I want more date nights or I want more time or I want anything. The first thing that you have to do is be an advocate for yourself. That is the first step in any change, getting anything you want, you need, you desire. All right, you can go from there. You need to ask. Um, I'm going to take this maybe a step further up the scale here than the person who was asking this may have intended when they, they asked this question. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, besides asking, I think the other biggest thing, it's not going to be calendaring or, you know, like, uh, you know, like what calendar app you're using or, or, you know, like, Google. Any, yeah, any of that. Um, it's, it's a priority. Um, there, there is this, here's the thing. Everybody's busy. Like everybody's busy. Trust me. Like, you know, I had a job for a long time where I worked so much. So much. Um, I know I went to take FMLA at one point and they looked at my hours and they were like, this is not possible. And I was like, oh, yes, it is. You don't understand the unit I work in here, right? Everybody's busy. I totally get it. I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm freaking busy now, right? Like, I love that job. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm coaching full time with Cassie now, you know, like, trust me, still super busy. Everybody's super busy. I'm a relationship coach. I've got two partners. I've got a son going, getting ready to go to college, and I've got an infant learning to walk. Like that's all I got to say. Yeah. And it, and and a big giant dog and a cat with a bad attitude. Right. So like everybody's really busy. Um. And you know the, the problem so often isn't. I mean, the cats I need to ask. Right. But you know, so often we we, we feel like we're having problems finding time. How do you find? How do we find the time? for quality time. As far as time goes, right? Like I said, like everybody's super busy. It's hard to find time, right? There's this amazing quote that I, I like 
from from Brian Tracy. Like it is one of my favorite quotes. Our clients will tell you I, I have this conversation all the time. And the quote is, there's never enough time for everything, but there's always enough time for the most important things. And it's absolutely the truth. So when you're talking about quality time and actually getting it on the calendar, um, I think just honestly, besides asking, the most important thing you can do is make it a priority. Because if you make it a priority, right? You know, we talk a lot about prioritizing your relationships and time falls into this. If you make quality time enough of a priority, you will find the time for quality time. All right. Everybody have a, just a, a fantastic evening. It's been great seeing you. Um, you know, uh, anybody you have relationship questions and you didn't make it, make it in here, you know, you're watching this later or whatever. Um, you know, go ahead, feel free to reach out. You know, if you're watching this on the page, PM the page, um, if you're, uh, you know, if you're in the Facebook group, PM Cassie or I, right. You know, I'm Josh, she's Cassie. Um, and we're happy to help you always. Right. Um, and just everybody until then take care right? Have just an amazing night. It's always fabulous talking to you all and we will see you again soon. Thanks for listening to the Touch of Flavor podcast, where we're building relationships outside of the box. Got a question about kink, power exchange, or open relationships that you've been holding on to for years? This is the place to ask it. Submit your question at atouchofflavor.com slash ask. Or leave us a voicemail at 833-ASK-TOF1. Thanks for listening to the Touch of Flavor podcast, where we're building relationships outside of the box. Got a question about kink, power exchange, or open relationships that you've been holding on to for years? This is the place to ask it. Submit your question at atouchofflavor.com slash ask. Or leave us a voicemail at 833-ASK-TOF1.